0: Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem
1: Solve. Today, I have the immense pleasure of chatting with business coach Harry Armistead. This is another episode on real people, real stories, real value. And Harry definitely ticks all three boxes. How are you, Harry?
2: I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Yes, I am a real person, I can confirm.
1: Yeah, you are (laughs) indeed. I can see you. I can see you. So for those people who don't know who Harry is, who is Harry? And how has he got to that seat today?
2: Okay, thank you. Um, so, Harry, or I, as I like to refer to myself, I'm <laughs> <am> a, <laughs> uh, a business coach, uh, but I, I particularly focus on mindset. Um, the, the reason for that uh, is quite simple. I think when people are looking to build their businesses, um, and bear in mind, people don't come into business to have, you know, a life of kind of mediocrity. They want a successful business. They want something more than they can get from a job. So what I found is that if you don't start at the most fundamental level, i.e. with your mindset, then it doesn't matter how good your systems are, the processes, you know, the tools, the people around you, it's still going to collapse. So that's why I focus in on business people and on uh, on mindset in particular.
1: Perfect. So how did you get to this place, though, Harris? How did, you re- how did you get to the place where you realised that... Um... You wanted to work with business people. That mindset was fundamental. Just, would you talk us through your, your journey to 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 where those yeah. revelations came from?
2: Absolutely, and it was a bit of an accident, to be fair. Uh, as I think it is for a lot of people, they just kind of find themselves in the, in, in the place and go, "Oh, this is brilliant," yeah. <laughs> uh, which is is what happened for me. So um, when I when I left school, um, you know, my A levels were were pretty shocking. My GCSEs were fine. My A levels, you know, pretty shocking um I was kind of lost um and and so I just kind of did sort of what other people other kids my age were doing um I went to college to to do hospitality management uh which was a two-year course and at the end of that course the biggest learning I took from that was that I never wanted to work in hospitality ever again (laughs) um uh, and so after a little bit of time Just just kind of you know kicking around. I did some sales work, um, I did a bit of travel. Um, I ended up um working on cruise ships, which was amazing. You know, I'm sort of in my mid-20s, having a fantastic time working on cruise ships, um, which, you know, for a a young single man in his 20s was a lot of fun. Um, but but again, it it kind of wasn't really going to take me anywhere. So as I'm, you know, kind of getting a bit older and dare I say, a bit more mature, Um, there comes the question of, okay, well, what are you really going to do? And it was whilst I was working on uh, a cruise ship that the company I worked for rolled out across the fleet um, HR managers, which wasn't something that I was particularly familiar with, to be honest. Um, And and I saw this role and the person in the role um, who was Superb in her role, Kylie. She was called uh, from, from uh, Australia, and and I just thought she was absolutely brilliant. You know how she supported, um, uh, you know the, the the crew. You know, bearing in mind that it could be you know two thousand two hundred of us. Um, the training that she delivered, and I thought these are the sorts of things that I really enjoy doing: training, supportive, nurturing. You know, really helping people um, grow. I suppose. So I applied um to uh transfer into this role which got rejected and it got rejected on the grounds of me not having any qualification that was relevant or any suitable uh, experience so i thought okay i'll go and get it so so i then left working at C to go back to university to study hr um and when i graduated <laughs> it was 2010 so if you remember, 2008, the whole world crashed.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and and here in the UK, we, we we started on what became a decade of austerity. So when I graduated in 2010 with my you know brand new HR degree, um, although I got a job working in HR, the things that inspired me to join HR, to pursue a career in HR, the training, the nurturing, the support, and the development all of that had been you know, kicked to the sidelines because we were going through a, a big period of change, which is redundancies. And it's you know, um, uh, really kind of screwing <laughs> employees for as much as we can get and, and all that kind of thing. So I, I persevered, um, I, I did sort of seven years in HR and, and working my way up um, you know, that career ladder to HR manager. But even then, it was just getting worse. know none of it was sort of getting better it was just more and more of that kind of you know negative uh, work that i was having to do um so for me it became really quite toxic um, and i chose to leave working within hr which kind of then put me in a a bit of a strange position it's 2014 i'm due to get married the following year Uh, my mother-in-law to be is extremely ill she has vascular dementia at the time um so um my husband to be who I married, Matthew, he was increasingly looking after his mum at home on their family farm. Um and for me to go and get an HR job of, of the, the level that I'd be looking for, um, I wasn't going to get that sort of where we live. It's very rural where we live. So I'd have had to have been away. So it's that wasn't going to be an option coupled with, you know, don't really want to be working in that environment. Um, or setting up that business on my own. So it, it took a bit of a while and a bit of thinking as to, to what to actually do. Um, and then um, sort of by chance, again, uh, I, I just came across, uh, you know, coaching uh, as an industry. I can't even remember how it came across now. Um, but, but that was something that was introduced because coaching, is, as you may or may not know, you know, your, your, your listeners, um, is a relatively new industry. Um, you know, it's only really been going for, you know, maybe the last sort of 20 years, 30 at year a push. And, and of course, latterly, it's, it's just now, you know, really, really sort of taking off. So this was a, a, a new industry to me, but it ticked all the right boxes. Um, you know, I have an interest in business. My first degree is in business. My second degree is within, you know, business and, and HR. Um, and, and that's something that, I've, that really excites me. I'm passionate about it. I'm quite entrepreneurial in that respect. And then, of course, the coaching side of things is about helping people to change their lives for something better. Um, and, and, and the mindset element of all this, this, this is the long version of this story, by the way, so stop me <laughs> if I'm <laughs> just going on. But, but the, you know, the, the thing that kind of underpinned all of this for me was um, as I'm going through school. You know, so I mentioned before, you know, I, I married a bloke. Uh, I'm a gay man. Um, when I was going through school in you know, primary school, 80s, high school, sort of 90s, you know, it wasn't as cool and hip and trendy, uh, you know, being being a gay person as perhaps it is perceived to be today. Um, so that was really, really difficult. And I struggled with my mental health. And, and that did have an impact on me and how I interacted, you know, within sort of my environment. Um you know this this confident happy guy that hopefully you see in front of you was definitely not the person i was you know back back in in the school days um and and so i had that difficult time it did affect you know my grades and, and my decisions and 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 you know my whole life generally at that time yet actually what i've come to learn is that it doesn't need to stop you so you know, one of the things that I, I really do sort of, you know, try and, and, and sort of enforce as a message with the people that I speak to is that it doesn't matter where you are now. You know, this this is a kind of limiting belief that, that people can have. It doesn't matter where you are, what life has already served up to you, you know, up until this point, you can change your future. And if you want to change your future, then, you know, do you have bit of a responsibility to change your future because none of us surely want to you know get to our end of days and, and think oh, I wish I'd have done that you know if
1: only yeah wow well wow. okay thank you for sharing that. I've got um, a whole host of questions <laughs> my first question is yeah. <laughs> K- Kylie from Australia was that a real name and a real location where she was from yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah I can't remember her last name but yeah she's yeah. called
1: Kylie Minogue yeah.
2: was it yeah. Minogue no, no, that that would would have answered a lot of things,
1: wouldn't
2: it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would have filled in a few jigsaw pieces. surely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so no, amazing. Honestly, though, just thank, thank you for during that. I, I guess my first question um, is is when you when when you were a child uh, when, when and you're growing up and you have um, and you're feeling the way that you do, what um, Did you keep it all to yourself or at what point did you decide to share your story and and talk to people?
2: A really good question and actually quite a difficult question to answer as well, because essentially the the question there is, you know, when did you realise you were gay? But but do we ask the same question of, of, you know, heterosexual people? You know, when did you realise you were straight? And it's not so easy to kind of pin down. What what I I can certainly tell you, um, and and this is kind of (laughs) almost the the, the tragedy, I suppose, uh, of of my kind of coming out story, um, was uh, we'd recently moved home. um, And in moving home, I had to move school. So I'm maybe seven years old, I think, something along those lines. It was sort of first year of primary school so you go through infants you know reception infants and then you know uh, whatever year it is now three yeah. four who knows yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but I was young put it that way um and so I'm at this new school it's out playtime I don't know anybody this is maybe first second day you know it's that new school um and I, I see uh, a small group of, of lads, some from my class and some from the year above all kind of huddled in a, in, a, in, a, in a semicircle in the playground and they're laughing and joking and whatever. So me, you know, this little seven year old thinks, right, these are the guys, you know, you, you want to make some friends. These look like the cool kids. Um, let's let's go and, uh, you know, talk to these guys. So as I'm walking up to them and I remember this so vividly as well as I'm, as I'm walking up to them, they're laughing and joking, as I say. Um, and the conversation is, you know, ha ha ha. And I'm gay. Ha, 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 yeah, I'm gay, too. And I thought, cool. OK, this is this is my in. So I I walk up to the group and I'm ha, ha yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm gay as well. Now, at the time, seven year old kid, I had no idea what that meant. No idea, whatever. Um, so I was just, you know, trying to fit in. And of course, everybody goes, you know, Deathly silent and turns and look at me, are you? Are you really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all, all are sort of thing. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, uh, and then, of course, that just goes around, you know, the school. And that was that was a big impact then. And it kind of stuck. So all the way through primary school, you know, bearing in mind, I've got, you know, three or four years of this, um, you know, the, the little comments, you know, gay boy, puffed in, you know, whatever. Um, so I found it really difficult then to, to make friends and and sort of fit in. And then that continued into high school because on you know, to high school, you get on the bus, you know, and it's the same people that you went to primary school with. So they, they really, that whole situation that really became, you know, my demons because you know, just to speak to, um, those people now, and I'm friends with, you know, uh, a good fair few of them now you know Facebook friends mostly but <laughs> but on friends but having that conversation you know this wasn't anything that that can necessarily even recall it you know it had no impact on their life but for me it was massive now what I certainly can't say and wouldn't say is that that you know made me gay um, it just so happens that I think they were right it, it just took you know A decade or more for me to you know really come to terms with that and not just come to terms with it but own it because it's not um you know it's not a negative thing it's not you know it's just part of who I am you know it's like having blue eyes it's like being you know five foot ten tall it's you know that's just it you know you can't change it and and nor would I want to but of course that whole journey certainly back then, and and certainly, you know, to a large extent can still be today, although it is considerably better today, um, I I did very much feel like I was on my own. So it was extremely difficult to talk to anybody about it. And when I did, Um, you know, it didn't help. Um, I had had my best friend at the time. Um, So I'm now, I don't know, 16, 17, we're at sixth form. You know, I told him I fancied him. <laughs> um, not a good idea. Um, so that damaged that relationship. Um, and you know, there was there was a few of those kind of instances where where ultimately it put me in a very very low place, very low place. Um, and and when it all came to a head, um, uh, you know, I'm in my bedroom crying essentially this had happened with my uh with my friend so it was you know that sort of fresh so I'm crying because essentially you know (laughs) one of the the two friends that I think I had um you know I've, I've essentially just ruined that kind of you know friendship very very upset and different members of my family would come into my room you know one at a time and try and console me and try and find out what was wrong but I couldn't tell them um Uh, And that, uh, uh, you know, after several attempts by, you know, both sisters, an elder sister, a younger sister, my mum, my dad, you know, my mum came back in for a second time. And again, I couldn't tell her. And then as she got up, um, you know, from my bed to leave, she gets to my bedroom door. And just before she exits, she turns around to look at me and says, well, I just hope you're not funny. That's all. Um, So that was my real coming out party. Yeah. Um, now, I screamed at her, you know, what if I am? What if I am? Um, so, I mean, that, uh, th- to be clear, things are much, much different now. Yeah. You know, I have a brilliant relationship with my parents um, and, you know, lots of other people. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that's how it was then at the time. They didn't know, you know, how to deal with that. They didn't know how to cope. And it was a, a big journey for them from that moment on just as it's it kind of was a continuing journey for, for me and it took a few years um, but but it's those sorts of experience and, and of course that's a, a big experience of mine um you know big experience it had a lot of impact um on my life and and it's it's those sorts of impactful situations um that that kind of led me down the path to to doing what I'm doing now um, which is helping people, not necessarily, you know, come to terms with the sexuality or, or anything along those lines, but it is just helping people see for themselves that no matter what their situation is, there is a way forward, there is a plan. Yeah, There needs to be a plan.
1: Well, thank, thank you for your honesty there, Harry. Um, and, and recalling the story, the, what piece of advice would you now give to yourself um, if you could at that point, when your mother has just left your bedroom and you just screamed at her, if what advice would you would you give to yourself?
2: Um, it, it would be a case of saying that everything is going to be all right. Um, it's it's an it's an emotional time. It's an emotionally charged time, but ultimately, everything is going to be all right. Um, because, because it always can be. You know, we are in control of our own lives. You know, and even if things had gone you know, even worse, if my relationship with my parents had soured and they couldn't come to terms with it and you couldn't deal with it, that's fine. That's their baggage. That's their demons. That's not mine to carry. That's not my cross to bear. Um, so for me, you'll be fine. You will be yeah. fine. Um, but it's about it taking ownership. You know, you've got to, to recognise who you are and, and, and recognise and appreciate that you're only limited by your own imagination.
1: Yeah, completely, completely. And, and that's what I want to... Because that, that's how you help people now with their limiting beliefs, their mindset, um, in, to overcome the, the challenges that, that, that they're facing um, at the minute. At what point did you realise the voice in your head helps or hinders you um, and, and 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 you can work with that is there a particular defining moment of your career when 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 mindset was kind of like a, a, a switch was flicked and you was like oh, this is the answer I don't think so
2: uh, I think I think it was more of a little drip feed.. Um, that just bit by bit, you know, you keep hearing and you keep seeing those same messages, and so bit by bit, you can it, it helps you grow your confidence, um, and so you might try a few different things, and sure, things might not go brilliantly, but but it quietly bit by bit it builds your confidence, and you can you can test those sort of boundaries, um, and then suddenly you you just come to realize that actually this is what it's all about um and and i suppose what's helped for me personally you know over the last you know decade perhaps even longer um i am interested in you know learning professional development personal development you know i have audio books and you know all that kind of stuff we've got a mountain of book you know real books (laughs) to to still plow my way through but but I, i like learning and and mindset is also, as I say, over the last kind of decade in particular, you know, it is becoming a little bit more uh, mainstream, I yeah. think, um, and people are taking note more so than, than they, they've done, you know, in the past. Because yeah. um, let's face it, you know, you don't have to go that far back when, you know, mindset wasn't really an issue it Was just a case of you've got to get in there and you've got to do it, you know. Even you know, as, as I talk to, to my dad now, um, so he's he's what 70 this year, he won't appreciate me telling you that, <laughs> um, but he, um, uh, you know, he is of you know an old school kind of uh mindset and, and generation that your problems you don't sort of talk about, you, you just keep pushing through, you know, and you keep working at it, you know. Well, I, well, I would argue that. You know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to keep getting the same results. Maybe we can look at this a different way, and and perhaps, who knows? But perhaps to you know, the next generation, sort of after me, someone in the twenties, they might consider this some of the stuff that I'm doing. I mean, I hope not, but <laughs> they might consider some of some of the stuff that I do to be you know on on its way out. I don't know. I, I try and uh, keep myself on the right side of that. To be fair, yeah.
1: No, completely. I resonate with with a lot of what of what you're saying. So, and by your own admission, when you were talking through your story at the start, you said uh, you did alright in your GCSEs. In your A levels, you didn't get as um, as um, great results. And now you've, you've just um, described yourself as a keen learner. Um, mm, and, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. What was What what's caused that? Is there is there a moment, or is it is it the subject? What is it, Harry?
2: When I um, so when I left school, so obviously school was not a good place for me. I don't have you know great memories of, of school really at all. Um, and I think that had the impact when I then went to college um, to do a, a higher national diploma. This was in hotel management, essentially. So the hospitality um, qualification. Um, I, I did really well because it was new people, new place. Um, you know, there was there was no backstory that came with me and and you know being sort of 18 19 20 um I I was a bit more confident with who I was and this was the point of me being you know uh, a confident gay man or at least you know trying to become uh, a confident gay man um and my qualification uh, I came out with a distinction so that Again, just, you know, was a really great kind of uplift and a great feeling for me. And it was really at that point that I thought, you know what, it's not, it's not me. (laughs) It's everyone else. (laughs) That's not quite the message, but it was more (laughs) a case of it, you know, I, I can put myself in the right environment to facilitate my learning that's going to benefit me. Yeah, because you haven't got that choice at school but when you leave school you know you do have those choices and and as I say after my HND I went to do a a degree in HR a first degree in HR then a a postgraduate and I've subsequently done a a postgraduate in um, coaching and mentoring executive coaching and mentoring and every single one of those um, have been you know a first or a distinction actually I tell a lie one of them was a high merit but you know, I like
1: that yeah. hat. <laughs> <laughs> what motivates you, Harry? You, you, you're a very, um, as you said, confident, um, uh, keen learner. Um, you've got, you're very bubbly, appetite for life. And what motivates you? What keeps you going? What drives you?
2: Um, I think the sense of, um, or the opportunity for achievement. Um, you know, I can only do so much, personally. So by being a coach and by helping other people achieve what they want, you know, I can still get the, the, the kickback from, you know, the positivity that comes from that and, and that sense of achievement. So now, you know, I am ambitious and I am driven and I am um, very open, you know, open minded, but really kind of open to opportunities and possibilities. And, and you know, if, if somebody says, hey, do you want to do this? Um, sure. Sure. You know, I mean, within reason, sure. But sure, um, you know, I, I, I went on a walk. I'm not a massive hiker or climber or walker for, for that matter. But um, a few of us um, from a business group that I'm in, we went for a, a, a walk, um, you know, a, a proper sort of, you know, hill mountain walk. Might have been a hill. I call it a mountain. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, but it was the weather was shocking. I mean, it really was. It was absolutely atrocious. And, and it was funny because, you know, the, the people in our group, and there was only four of us, they were kind of saying, oh, how are you? all right? You all right? I'm like, I'm totally fine. You know, I had this great big, you know, rainbow umbrella, you know, which they mocked me for at the beginning. and it's like that brolly I tell you, that was, that was the hero of the day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so let's go do it. Let's go try things. So I'm, I'm more positive to, to explore and, and to try and to learn um you know whatever life may throw at us
1: yeah yeah i think so, so important so important The lessons that you're sharing as well um in, in everything that you're saying yeah, i guess uh, to come back to the, the how you help people and uh, with their mindset and overcoming limiting beliefs um what's your definition of a limiting belief Just so we're on the same page
2: yeah so a limiting belief is is essentially a, a story that we're telling ourselves that has a negative impact of some description. So it's either stopping us from doing something perhaps, or it's at least suppressing maybe something that that we want to do. So it's it's very much um, imagined, but it is extremely, um, uh, you know, debilitating. Um, if we keep telling this same story, if we have that on
1: repeat, yeah. Okay. No. Perfect. So when we talk about that story, how do you encourage people to um, to quieten that story or to to change that story or what what advice do you give people or how do you, how do you coach them to um to to overcome that?
2: Sure. So what what I think we would naturally try to do um, is fight it, resist it, um, and that's the wrong approach um because you just because you can't so if we sort of sort of kind of take the story of human evolution (laughs) back a little while bear with me on this because it is is relevant um i'm not just going into story time um this this sort of inner voice you know our our sort of unconscious mind it's our it's our emotions it's our instincts um so, you know, back in, you know, caveman times, <laughs> um, if we were suddenly faced with, you know, a pack of wolves, we need to do something about it. And that's where you get your fight, flight, you know, freeze, etc. cetera. Um, so that kind of um, mechanism is is still within us. But I don't know whether you've noticed this, but we don't tend to, find ourselves facing the gaping jaws of a pack of wolves (laughs) (laughs) that often these days. So so it's it's having to latch on. Our unconscious mind is latching on to our modern living. But those dangers are, are just not the same. But our response to those dangers is as strong. But we can't fight that what we have to do is we have to, we have to sort of rationalize it. We have to work with it because it's stronger than we are. Um, you know, how many times have we you know, made a decision? You know, we've made some sort of choice and then regretted it afterwards. Mm, I shouldn't really done that. And, and that's because it's your unconscious mind that just, you know, uh, you know, runs the charge, the conscious part of our minds. So us, the real person We're a bit slower (laughs) to catch up to the party, um, which is is why it's good to kind of pause to allow yourself time to reflect and not base your decisions on emotion. And then essentially it's kind of like having a conversation with, you know, your, your, yourself, you know, this inner saboteur. um, And, And sort of rationalize the process. You know, what is the worst that could happen? Because often the worst thing that could happen is imagined. What will really happen is nothing like what you'll imagine it to be. So by, you know, talking to this inner saboteur and saying, you know, hey, thanks very much. I appreciate your contributions to this, (laughs) you know, situation. But actually, this is what I really want to do. You know, I want to... Um, you know, grow my career and in order to grow my career, I know that I have to speak to a lot of people and and here's an opportunity to put myself in front of 50 people. You know, I'm uncomfortable with it. You know, the subconscious mind is maybe uncomfortable with it because you've never done it before. You know, what if you go in there and X, Y, Z happens? You know, what if you embarrass yourself? What if you make a mess of it? What if you, you know, throw up on the stage? (laughs) Whatever it may be. Um, But those things most likely aren't going to happen but if you get yourself so worked up and then go into this you know into that room and that's been what's leading it then you will make a mistake and you will throw up on the stage and it it will be horrible but that's because it's not been the conscious person leading it that's because the saboteur has led it and then said i told you i told you that would happen yeah yeah So by having the conversation that says, look, thanks very much, but I really want this. I really need this. I've thought about it. I've really considered it. And this works. Then the conversation can become, okay, well, how do we make that easier?
1: Yeah.
2: And then when you get to that stage, that inner saboteur will quieten. And the more you do that, the, you know, the the less loud that voice becomes
1: i love that I love and, and as you're telling the story i'm thinking about my boy um, who is eight years old now but for the last three years he he walks ridiculously slow downstairs um, and the reason why he walks ridiculously slow downstairs is because when he was learning to walk steps and stuff and walk up and downstairs, stairs there would always be cries of watch you don't fall down them steps grab onto the rail Mm. Hold, go mm. down on your bum, and all of these things, and then he's internalized these things, mm. and now he walks really slowly, holding onto the handrail. And um, and I said to him the other day, and they go, well, a while ago in the car, I said, when was the last time you fell down the stairs, Jack? And I've never fallen down the stairs. All right, okay. And it's just, and and that that, that for me is is kind of like living proof of the conversations that you're saying happen in our heads all of the time and the impact that they have. Mm. So yeah, no, I, I really resonate mm. with. Uh, and
2: what's important about that story as is with the case with many limiting beliefs is that they've kind of been given to us they're not necessarily our own limiting beliefs they come from you know those sorts of scenarios you know and, and the example that i gave could very well have come from don't talk to strangers yeah strangers are bad strangers will hurt you you know can you go and give a, a talk in front of fifty people you don't know? <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and it's and that's where it comes from. But what? But logically, well, why not? Talking to fifty people is no different from me talking to you here or talking to uh, you know Matthew, my husband. You talking to your son? We do yeah. it all the time. Completely, completely. What's what's different? Yeah, no, and it's just that little message that's been planted and then it's had time to you know take root
1: yeah no completely completely agree completely resonates and um and, and I, I guess I'm, I'm conscious of the conscious of the time and you, you're you're a busy popular chap harry um <laughs> two, two more questions for you what you on for your tea tonight uh
2: okay that's uh, a great question
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I nobody's am... nobody's ever said that before harry if i'm honest <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it, it, it kind of is, yeah. <laughs> because,
2: <laughs> because I suppose the initial answer would be, I'm not entirely sure, <laughs> which is what makes yeah. that a great question. Um, I have got some, um, some pork out of the freezer. <laughs> so, so maybe something to do with that. That, yeah. that might go into a meal tomorrow or, or later down the line. The honest answer is I have no idea. No idea. No, no love, idea. It. love it. Um, no, it. But what, what I can tell you, if it is an important question to answer, is that uh, we do try to eat healthy, wholesome, whole foods uh, rather than the processed rubbish, which is not good for your kids. No.
1: <laughs> there you go. Another piece of value there. These, these, these value bombs that you're dropping harry all the way through, well, the way through. i try <laughs> yeah. if, if, if people wanted to find out more about harry armistead where would they go what would they do what would they
2: find uh i'm very active on linkedin um so you can certainly check me out uh, on linkedin uh very simple harry armistead just do a search for for me um there's only two on there and, I, and, and one's my dad so <laughs> i'm the younger looking one of the the, the two photos that you'll look at um uh but i'm also um active on linkedin i have an instagram account uh i am on twitter um uh, and i've got my website as well harryarmistead.com so i am all over social media apart from tiktok um that's i'm not on that one just yet
1: (laughs) just yet but never say never
2: i'm not i'm not that cool Yeah. I've still got to, I've got to grow into that one. <laughs>
1: yeah, is, is that your inner saboteur talking or is that Harry talking?
2: It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think I'm all right at the moment with yeah. the stuff that I've got going on. In all, in all honesty, Lee, um, I, I don't think at this precise moment in time, my target audience are on TikTok. I think more of them are going to be on LinkedIn, which is why I'm focusing there for more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but perfect, perfect. I just want to You're say, wrong. Just, I just want to say something before I go. go Harry is that um, when I started the CVs, um, real people, real stories, real value. It was with the aim of, um, of of talking to people who who have those three things because I was conscious that a lot of the guests that I've had on the podcast, it's 150 odd episodes now, have, um, have have had a book or um, they they present uh, they um, they do presentations and public speaking and all of that stuff and I wanted to uh to really just get insights from from other people and I think what you've done today and in your honesty your openness in the conversation that you've had I just want to just want to thank you for that it's been a hugely insightful and valuable um conversation and I too can confirm that you are a real person with real stories <laughs> and you have offered yeah, really. immense 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 value so i just want to say thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you a little bit better and, uh, and good luck with everything that you've got going on harry
2: thanks very much yeah i've really enjoyed it really appreciated being here today so thanks very much
0: thanks for listening to business Problems solved